Welcome in the Lions 24-7 podcast, a fresh Friday edition for you. Tyler Donahue, Sean Fitz. We got a lot to catch up on here. A lot going on with recruiting. Not all of it good. Much of it uh, freaking out the fan base a little bit out there based on what we've seen in the message boards. We're going to do our best to address what's going on with this 2020 Penn State recruiting class. There was an addition to the class on Sunday afternoon, and since then there have been three departures. We're going to talk about the decommitments. Uh, we also have a session with the coaches to get to a little bit, so some takeaways on, on player personnel issues, some rising talent, and we got to speak with some of these first-year Nittany Lions coaches as well. Going to get into that a little bit more, and we're, we're coming up on yet another big week of camps at Penn State. Some familiar names, some big names are going to be attending these camps and seven-on-seven tournaments and also more official visitors as the official visit window is nearing the end for the spring here in college football. Not the spring, but the early period for officials. So, Sean, we got plenty to speak on on this episode of the podcast and and obviously uh the elephant in the room right here are those three decommitments and and we'll split those up one by one well luckily you've got me and not a poorly photoshopped version of me so it's good to uh good to finally get around to recording this week we're sorry we're so late in the week um but anyway yeah the three decommitments i think it's important at this point to split those up and take those one at a time or you know in two different batches basically because you've got Grand Teton flipping to Ohio State. You've got Josh Moten and Aaron Parks, teammates at National Christian Academy in Maryland, and you know that I think you can lump those two together. But separate entities for the most part. Teton, this is a guy that we've been watching for a while. Ohio State offered him in January. Michigan State offered him a couple different schools, and they've sort of you know kept in touch with him. Teton took some visits on the download to Columbus. That's no secret anymore. Um, and then decided that it was time to flip. I mean, I think this is one situation where you know. It was, it, it was interesting because Toutant was saying all the right things, recruiting for Penn State. It seemed like we were past that that situation where he was going to flip. So I think that's that's where the, the element of surprise comes in. He's been saying the right things, doing the right things. He had more trips planned. Uh, he's been talking, you know, with, with the Penn State commit, the other Penn State commits. He's been talking with reporters about, you know, the Penn State stuff. And it's one one of those things where he kind of had a foot out of the door without uh, without really letting anybody know. So. It's one of those situations where I think that, uh, you know, the, the, the parents were, you know, part of that situation. So um, it, I don't know. It's 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 tough to stomach, especially when you talk about going rapid fire, boom, boom, boom. But I think it's also important to separate them. You move on later in the week. Uh, to, to me, Josh Moten and Aaron Parks, this is a situation where you're talking about visits and Penn State's visit policy. Moten set up a couple of official visits, of, including one to this weekend uh, at, at Texas A&M did not tell the Penn State staff that he was doing that. They had talked to him a couple of weeks ago about taking visits and, and, and their policy on such. Pe- appears there was a miscommunication. They feel like that Penn State was not up front with them. Penn State uh, you know, stood by their policy, and now Aaron Parks opened things up. Josh Moten opened things up. They're going to camp at Alabama. Uh, of course, Moten's going to go to A&M this weekend. It's kind of a reset, so it was kind of like, hey— you know, these kids called Penn State's bluff. Penn State kind of stood where they were at, and those kids kind of stood where they were at and went their separate ways. So I think when you're talking about, uh, you know, a, a program falling or anything like that, I, I don't think we're at that point. I think it's concerning, no doubt. We're going get, to get to that in a second. But when you take a look at the decommitments, it's not exactly a situation where it's a mass chaos, a panic type thing. I think there are concerns, but uh, you know, at the end of the day, this is uh, this is the timing of things more so than the the impact of things. 
there was a time when June was a pretty quiet period of the recruiting calendar, Sean, yeah, and things, that? things yeah. have really changed with the new NCAA calendar, and, and James well, Franklin addressed that this week, well, uh, actually. Getting to, getting to that, I mean, yeah. the, the, the summer official visits have really changed a lot, and it's going to change a lot in terms of prospects going out and seeing different places. They see other guys that are committed to other schools to checking out things. They see guys that are committed to other schools going to Penn State and visiting, so that's you know sort of talking out of both sides of your mouth here when you're talking about the, the no-visit policy and while hosting other commits. So that's one thing that they have to figure out how to deal with and really, you know, have, haven't done a great job at doing that. So uh, when, you, when you look at it from that angle, the summer official visits have changed so much in that it is still fairly early in the recruiting, you know, six months or so until these guys sign, six and a half months until these guys sign. So, you know, it's it, it's early for some guys, not so much for some others, but this is a new thing. Guys still want to do it. They see other people doing it. We talk so much about peer recruiting you, and you know, that can be a bad thing too. If you're trying to keep a class together and you're, you're trying to not let guys visit. I mean, it's one thing Clemson doesn't let their guys that are committed visit. Well, Clemson just won a national t- a championship and they're on top of the college football world. So I think there's varying degrees of, of where you can get away with that. I think the summer official visits, uh, as good as they are to get these guys out, it's caused some problems on the back end for some schools, including Penn State. And, and so. with those teammates down there, Parks and Moten, each of them, you know, their, their announcements, essentially identical announcements, uh, thanking Penn State for, for the time and, and, and for the investment, but really saying they were not fully ready to lock things up and both of them intend to make visits. And if you've been following the coverage on lines 24 seven, you knew that was the case with Moten lining up that trip down to, to Aggie land, as you, as you mentioned. So uh, I think with those two guys leaving, you, you've created an exact, you know, the, the ultimate question here at the crux of the issue for not just Penn state, but across college football, the same day that Moten is, is leaving the class because he wants to pursue other options and check out other campuses. Uh, we go and, and, and we see uh, an Oklahoma corner, back commit uh, Ryan Watts walking around campus uh, on, on Penn State's uh, so it's interesting because that's a kid who, who's you know committed elsewhere he's on campus you'd love to bring him into the fold he's a good looking six foot three cornerback uh, but but then at the same time you oh, want to yes. be able to tell your commitments like a Josh Moten say hey I know you're hearing from your friends that college station is a good, great place to check out but we really you know, if you're with us, you're with us, and, and our campus is the only campus you really need to spend time at. So, and Penn State's not alone in that boat. With the available official visits here, I think when you had uh, kids getting their commitments in, in spring and in February, like like in the case of Moten, um, you know, they would get into the, their senior year and be pretty locked in. And because they had their senior season to really focus in on, a lot easier to, 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 to block out some of the other recruiting noise and know that you're locked into a school. With these extra few weeks here into June, uh, we see a lot of movement, a lot of traveling. It, it creates new ideas. It plants some new seeds. You know, you never know who's in the kid's ear about why they should explore their options and and quite frankly um you know this is this is what we run into a lot in college football kids committing um and then having that regret because they can't get to another campus and 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 there's some i don't want to say jealousy but you see other guys utilizing these five official visits there is never another time in your life unless you get to be some superstar free agent at the professional sports level where you're going to get the opportunity to experience what these recruits get on those five official visits being sent across the country with their family and given these vip experiences so uh there is a little bit of a fear of missing out i think and and i think that's what you can uh, really attribute to those two players in particular. 
And I'm looking at the decommitment tracker on 24-7 Sports. Miami lost a couple of commits this week. Florida lost Joel Williams, who's a Penn State prospect, has talked about visiting in the past. LSU lost a guy, Boston College. You know, just go. It's going to happen. It's just I think the timing really is kind of stings for Penn State, uh, you know, in terms of of following this on a day-to-day basis. Getting away from that, I mean, if you look, we're going to talk more big picture now. Is there a reason for panic right now? I, I've seen my Twitter feed, so I know there is panic going on in, in that area, but I don't think so. I mean, I think it's it's one of those things where it's more concern than panic. I can definitely buy that. Something seems off right now. You go back to the Fleming uh, decision for him to go to Ohio State. I think he was a huge piece, not only as a player, but also for the perception of this class and the perception of Penn State taking that next step, being on that next level. We, I mean, there's a reason we talked early about Fleming and Bressy being, you know, such uh, big potential linchpins to this class is because of this perception where you're going to take the next step. Now, Penn State got took a step back last year, nine and four season, which is 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 a, is a part of it. It's not everything, but it's, it's a part of it. Going back to where they're coming from, to where they want to be, you know, it's just a little bump in the road. And and, and we talked about before how Penn State sort of their curve for improvement just kind of got busted in 2016 and 2017. I mean, they went straight, sort of straight up on a, on a, you know, on a, on a linear uh, observation when you're talking about where Penn State went to where Penn State wanted to be. And they plateaued. They took a step back. And, and uh, frankly, it does not seem like they're handling it all that well. Maybe a little bit of a panic. Uh, I know I said don't panic, but maybe a little bit of a concern in terms of, yeah, I just stepped on myself there. Uh, maybe a little bit of a concern um, with that aspect of it. So, I mean, I, I don't think you're there yet to full-blown panic, but I think there's work to be done for Franklin. I think there's work to be done with the staff. You've got some some staff changes that happen in, at an inopportune time at some spots where, you know, you, you want to go out and you want to have an established wide receiver coach, coach with a Julian Fleming that can be there for a couple of years. He mentioned that in his follow-up interviews. So, I mean, it's it, it's one of those things. I'm not a panic guy per se, but you look at something and you think that's a little bit off and I can buy that right now. You bring up a great point there because the the progress of this Penn State, you know, identity under James Franklin was so accelerated, you know, through the first 30 games, 16 and 14, you know, that's not going to send shockwaves across the country, but what they did the following couple of years, what Saquon Barkley did as a rising talent and, and Trace McSorley becoming a national name, you know, it, it changed the complexion. Recruiting was elevated very quickly as well. Um, now, a couple of things come with that. You're going to have other programs coming to poach members of your staff because they want a piece of your success. And we've seen that for Penn State, unable to retain some key, some key players, some key uh, coaches, I should say, uh, who've moved on elsewhere. Some, some, uh, you know, for for promotional reasons and, and others for head coaching reasons. Uh, but I think, you know, the other thing is here, you're recruiting at a high level and you get into a, a situation where, uh, you know, you've got to address that within your program too, because the last couple of years, uh, the balance of talent, and I'm talking about uber athleticism. I mean, all these players are power five football players. And I know people are going to point to Trace McSorley as a three-star recruit and Saquon Barkley as a, you know, guy who wasn't even considered a top 10 running back prospect. Um, but I think when you look at this, this, team and the way it's developing, you know, they do have some, some things to look in the mirror with this year in terms of, you know, some of the older guys not being of that higher caliber and a lot of these younger guys, I'm talking about the true freshmen, the second year players, some of the redshirt sophomores, those guys are really making their move right now. So I just think there's a lot in flux with this Penn State program from the staff perspective, from a locker room perspective, uh, and they're going to need to answer that bell this season. And you wrote it here in the notes, we talked about it before, the best thing Penn State can do right now 
is go on that football field in Beaver Stadium, uh, get through a few games, and show that they've righted some of the wrongs that plagued them in 2018. Uh, but, you know, they're still a ways off from that. We're still talking about being in mid-June, and there are some key recruiting events uh, that are upcoming. 78 days away as we record, by the way, Saquon Barkley, the number six overall running back according to 24-7 Sports in the class of 2015. Don't want to make it out to be some sort of diamond in the rough. So he's a star. I'm sorry. I just, I just hear so much about how he committed to Rutgers. So I just assume he was just ranked like 50th. He was a two star. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> actually having the rundown anyway. But yeah, you're right. Need to regroup and, and move on, get to football. Unfortunately, that's, that's a ways away. So you're going to see a little bit. Uh, wheels spinning throughout the summer. I think they're going to get some more commits. I think the, the, the camp season can still be pretty productive. Good camp coming in this weekend, but also a, a pretty decent camp last weekend resulted in a commitment. Penn State offered and got a pledge from Norval Black, who, you know, some, some of our fans on Lions 24-7 knew who he was because he took an, official, an unofficial a couple of weeks ago. But Penn State was his first offer. He came out to camp on Sunday, and, you know, I know the knee-jerk reaction is to look right for the star ranking or look right for the offer list or anything like that. Kid was really good, really good on Sunday. Um, he was a really polished route runner, very good athlete, tested very well, just got in and out of his breaks. And he was, of course, camping behind beside high school guys, so you have to take that into account sometimes. But really at the top of the list in terms of guys that we saw on Sunday. And, you know, we were following along on the site, and he, I think you said it right after the camp. Uh, somebody asked if he's a potential offer guy, and you're like, I'm not sure if he was, but he certainly helped his case on Sunday. And obviously that's the, that's really something that happened, and it came together very quickly. Yeah, and I, hey, look, the numbers are pretty impressive. People are going to say, you know, at what level is he doing this? But Lackawanna College has produced uh, its fair share of eventual Power 5 players, a few here at Penn State. Uh, and, and this is a guy last year, he only needed 15 catches. To, to churn out 445 yards and, and five touchdowns. That's about 30 yards a catch. So if you're going to do it at the junior college level, that's the way to do it, make a strong impression. And, you know, that wide receiver group was one to watch all day on on Sunday. Um, you know, it was cool to, to also follow around Jared Parker dealing with those guys the first time we saw him in that kind of setting. But Black was a guy who consistently popped up on that group. And, and we're talking about a, a position there that there was a few other uh, targeted guys, uh, another player that came away with an offer. And I'm not surprised to see him pounce on this opportunity pretty quickly. I'm sure when people across college football, uh, especially here in, you know, in the Northeast and in the Big Ten, when they saw this commitment, they might have said, who? Well, let's get some tape on this guy. Uh, so we'll see if, 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 if the mounting interest follows from other programs. But, uh, yeah, it's, I think it will be very hard to pry this kid away from Penn State if other teams do come calling. And you got your answer. Uh, it was just about as obscure as it could get, Sean. We've been wondering who will be the first wide receiver to land in this 2020 class uh, for all you have had Norville Black. Congratulations. Yeah, that's uh, that's a money ticket winner right there, especially with with guys like Christian Fitzpatrick and Malik Mega working out last weekend. Uh, you know, we, we skip ahead here a little bit. Was impressed by Malik Mega, not so much by Christian Fitzpatrick. I'm gonna gonna wonder where his recruitment goes from here. Struggled catching the ball, struggled in and out of breaks, just didn't look uh, physically where he needed to be. Mega, I thought for for a raw prospect, did a really good job. Black, I think, was the best. But moving on on in that wide receiver group, kid that was really really good, a kid that we've known for a long time, Liam Clifford, of course, the younger brother of Sean Clifford. Personally, did not really recognize him when he walked in the building. He's probably put on about 20 pounds, ran well for the staff, high four fives, which uh, I think he's been clocked anywhere in the four fours to the, the high four sixes. So he can run. Uh, he's, he is a receiver. He, you know, I think he came onto the, the scene as a quarterback, and people thought he was going to be a quarterback based on what Sean did. But he's a receiver. He looked pretty good. He caught everything uh, thrown his way, and he ended up with an offer after the camp. 
Yeah, and, and he, he looks the part of 6'2", 190-some pounds. Uh, he looks a lot different. I, I was looking back at, at pictures that Mark Brennan took last year at, during the camp circuit when he was there, and Sean was watching him. Completely different. I mean, he was a kid last year, and now he looks like a Power 5 football prospect, and, and the offers reflect that, um, you know, and I expect him to continue to come in for Liam Clifford, who played really well out there. He was the guy who uh, I thought was was just uh, a, mach- a very machine-like uh, in, in terms of uh, just not a lot of herky-jerky movement in his route running and, and really didn't see uh, you know from rep to rep much of a variance in his demeanor and I think that speaks volumes he was there I think he knew the opportunity that was there for him uh, Jared Parker pulled him aside at one point talked to him for about 20 seconds there was there was a after one touchdown catch James Franklin uh, you know said a few words to him so he knew what was at stake and, and the interesting thing was both of those guys you mentioned Mega Fitzpatrick um, also um, the commitment black they all end up in this in, in a side session towards the end of this and and you've got James Franklin sitting on a golf cart you've got KJ Hamler and Sean Clifford looking on uh, Ricky Ronnie Jared Parker and there's about 10 guys in the football field half of them are quarterbacks half of them are wide receivers you know there's a lot at stake and um, you know you don't want to make too much out of a couple catches but Liam Clifford went out there and did exactly what he did all day and and the end result was him heading home with an offer and uh, you better believe Sean Clifford was extremely proud uh, to to react to that one, and uh, you know certainly going to be tough to get any Clifford away from Penn State at this point. Yeah, they've had a good experience so far with Sean, and I would not be surprised if Penn State you know was eventually the choice for Liam. He's going to I think have his own little process and and take his visits and, and things like that as he should. Um, but yeah, I mean it's, you got you got to feel good if you're Penn State right now can, uh, based on the family connection. One of the guys throwing him the ball uh, last week, Jake Rubley from Colorado, was in for the camp. He's a four-star in the 24-7 sports composite. Uh, looked really good. I mean, really sharp. This is, uh, you know, one of those uh, the situations where they're out looking nationally for 2021 quarterbacks. Ricky Ronnie is from that area, is from just outside of Denver, and they've got a lot of contacts out there. They've been out to see guys like Cole Taylor and some other some other of the prospects in, in Colorado this spring. So, you know, they, they got him on campus. They liked what they saw. Not, maybe not the... Uh, four or five kid that a Caleb Williams is or something like that, but really good player can throw the ball. And, and I think they've, you know, moved away from trying to get the, the best athlete possible and trying to find the best quarterback fit. And I think Jake Rubley certainly proved that he, he deserved an offer on Sunday. Yeah, he's a top 10 pro style quarterback in the initial 247 sports uh, 2021 rankings. He's the son of a former NFL quarterback, uh, TJ Rubley. Um, so, you know, th- there's there's a lot to like about this kid's development. He's he's from a football family that has churned out um, you know, players that have gone on to play at the college football level. So none of this process is going to be surprising. It's also not surprising to be to see him being active. He followed up that Penn State trip going to Clemson. I caught up with Jake this week, and, and one thing I really took away from this process is that him and Ron have very quickly established a rapport that is extremely necessary in the recruitment of any quarterback. Ronnie had had watched him work out a little bit out in Colorado this winter. That set the stage for for this visit, um, and he went out there and, and and checked a lot off the list. Ronnie was uh, intently observing a few of those 2021 quarterbacks. I think you and I all along the way thought that Jake Rubley was was uh, uh, on a different tier from that group, and I'd it, agree with that. Yeah. He he got that offer. He says you know he he it's, he said it's too early. There's a lot 
going on. He's trying to plan things out, but he really wants to get back uh, and see a game at Beaver Stadium this season. It certainly seems like he's taking this offer very seriously, but he's going to be very active on, on the recruiting trail. He mentioned several offers. Uh, this is a kid that, that has a bunch, Missouri, Colorado, LSU. Um, he visited Clemson, as I said. So who knows what other offers could come, uh, but but it's not going to be a recruitment that sounds like it's going to go extremely late, Sean. He says December at the latest. So we're talking about a post-junior season commitment for Jake Rubley, uh, which you know if you can figure out your quarterback situation by then, and if you're Penn State for that next class uh, that's big and we'll see how long he's uh, the Nittany lines are kept in this conversation but uh, Ronnie has them in a good spot he enjoyed his time with Sean Clifford on the football field he liked throwing the ball to Liam and I think ultimately he's going to make a, a true effort to get back to campus before he makes a decision yeah, he looked like one of those elite guys, and you can tell the difference. You know, they had some regional guys in there that could throw the ball pretty well, but he, he seemed to throw it a little bit more effortlessly than, um, you know, than some of those other guys. A really, really intriguing offer coming out of the camp, 2019 defensive tackle from Susquehanna Township right down the road, Fatorma Molba is a guy I've been following for a while. He visited in the spring for the blue-white game. May have been on campus for a junior day as well, but uh, this is a, a big kid, 6'3", 270. He looks every bit of it. You and I both said the same thing before the episode is he was one of those guys that you weren't really sure who he was coming into the camp. But when you, when you took a look at him, you needed to write that number down and see who that guy was. Big barrel chest, uh, strong guy tested kind of off the charts for a defensive tackle. And we've talked so often about how hard those, you know, six, three, 300 pound, eventual 300 pounders are hard to find uh, with, with the athletic skills that they have. So as a guy that, that caught our eye right away, had a very good camp, Penn state decided to, to offer him, I think a day or two later, and I think Penn State sits in a, in a great spot. He's going to go out to Ohio State and work out. That was part of the plan before the Penn State camp. So uh, we'll see where he uh, we'll see where he ends up with uh, with his offer list. But I think he's going to add some more. But uh, at the end of the day, I think Penn State's in a good spot there. A couple of 2022 guys we saw this weekend, and it's probably too too early to talk uh, some of these guys. But they're both Pennsylvania guys. They're both local guys. Makai Flowers from Steel High, Anthony Ivy from Mannheim Township. Um, both in that central Pennsylvania, south central Pennsylvania region. Uh, very, very, very good showings from both, and they offered flowers after camp on Saturday. Yeah, and Anthony Ivy is someone that I, I, I posted on the board during camp, and I and I men- mentioned him to you and Mark. It's someone that that I I really kept you know. Gaining my attention across the way, and he and I wasn't the only one. I mean, he, he was definitely a guy that the Penn State coaches were playing, paying close attention to. He was the youngest receiver in that group that was called outside for for that uh, session at the end of practice, where they were under close observation. And, and the way I would put this is, you know, I know he didn't come out of the camp with an offer, but he seems, considering his location and what I saw on Sunday, I've done zero digging into this kid's uh, academics or anything like that. But he seems like an inevitable scholarship offer for for Penn State in the twenty. 2020 recruiting cycle that's the vibe that i get um you know obviously the staff's going to continue to evaluate that class but i thought he, he put out there you know for a kid who still does look like a, a you know a 15 year old or whatever he is as a rising sophomore he doesn't really blend in with some of those uh 2019 2020 receivers at this point uh but i think he's well on his way and, and definitely someone who, who caught my attention on the in-state circuit and makai flowers by the way he told me during our conversation that former penn state defensive lineman jordan hill um he considers him a mentor they're they're from the same high school um and he wasn't the only one who said that we actually heard molba mention uh jordan hill as someone that that has really helped with his progression and uh that's obviously a nice t- 
tie-in. Hill, a very productive player, all Big Ten player at Penn State before he went on to the NFL and won a Super Bowl with the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, Jordan's doing some really good stuff in Central Pennsylvania. He's been giving back to that Steel High community for a long time. He's brought those guys up to camp, and he takes them elsewhere uh, to, to, to work out for other schools and things like that. So it's pretty cool to see him giving back in, in his post-NFL career. Moving on in 2022, Sam Martin's a kid from Curtis High School up in Staten Island. Tested really well, belongs in that mix of, of 22 running backs uh, where Penn State's probably going to take a look at. But the guy that we look to on Saturday is already committed to Penn State. Uh, this was our alpha dog. Dante Thornton was pretty spectacular. I mean, I, I don't really know how else to put it. I mean, you watched him a couple of games. I watched him one game. Big kid, just a presence out there. Went out and, and, and caught a bunch of touchdowns. I think his first game... When Mark, we weren't even up at the field yet, and Mark was texting us, he had three touchdowns already and, and was just uh, killing kids. So Penn State, yeah, I mean, other schools are going to come after this kid hard, as they should. He's a top, probably a top five wide receiver in that class. But, man, that, kid, that kid's something right there. A great centerpiece, you know, to start off that 2021 class, and and that's another kid that that you're going to have to fend off plenty of Power Five programs that are going to want a, a piece of that recruitment, or you know, for him to tilt his head toward a different campus. But with Thornton, I think you know he's exactly who I saw at a couple camps at the Nike camp at the Under Armour camp this spring. There's nothing uh, – this kid goes and competes like he doesn't have the offers because wide receiver position is one spot where I feel like guys are easily exposed in some of these settings because uh, they have the offers. Uh, some some of them you just see out there not going full tilt. This is a guy who looked like he was dealing with some cramping. It was a hot day out there. Uh, he went out there, and, and he was giving it all he had, and, and he just clearly is outclassing – Pretty much any player he comes comes in contact with, I didn't catch his quarterback's name down there. That could add a nice day, put the ball in the money for him on some nice throws. But uh, Mark posted a, a really interesting video on Lines twenty four seven last weekend following that camp performance, and it was Jared Parker and KJ Hamler watching some of these reps and their reactions, and, and KJ telling them, you know, just throw the ball up to the kid. And I think on the next play, that's what they did. It was a touchdown. So obviously some excitement uh, from from KJ from Parker. Uh, Franklin was watching intently. I think at one point toward the end of the tournament um, I counted five golf carts pulled up to one of their games so he had the attention of everybody back on campus and he's the kind of prospect that whenever he does return to Penn State uh, you're going to know about it because people are going to swarm to him yeah I think so another 2021 big time guy uh, on campus Landon Tangwell back with a good counsel for the big man challenge last weekend you got a chance to speak with Landon I you know I still think Notre Dame's up there Penn State's I think he's going to end up playing in the Big Ten, and we kind of lump Notre Dame in that because of the location, too. So I think he's going to end up a Big Ten kid. Penn State, of course, right there. Um, Notre Dame is, is in a really good spot. He's going to take a few more visits, but you caught up with him earlier this week. Yeah, and at this point, the everything, you know, there's a lot of things that are understood between him and Penn State. There's not a lot of rocks to be left, uh, you know, turned over and, and, and exploring to do. I think he feels very comfortable with Penn State. Um, you know, he's, he's getting those vibes where it can be a second home for him, and that's important. I don't think you can commit to a school without those feelings. Um, and, and he's somebody who I think people don't understand how experienced he is. He's only halfway through high school, and you mentioned this before, Sean, I think on the last podcast or one, the one before that, you know, he still hasn't, the floodgates haven't been open for his recruitment yet in terms of, of coaches being able to contact him it will hit a new level this this fall uh, but he is very experienced he's already gone on a southern tour and, and gone to a bunch of sec programs uh, he, he's been to a lot of schools and i think he really knows what he's looking for uh, and he's coming up on on the top group it, it may 
may take closer into the season. It may happen this week, uh, but fully expecting him to trim everything down to five, four, maybe even three teams. Michigan, Notre Dame right there. We'll see who else fills out that list, but um, it would be a major shock if Penn State is not a hat on the table whenever a decision is made. I, I agree with uh, them being in it until the end. I think this is, a, like I said, a Big Ten battle, and I think this is a kid that's so accelerated in the process that you probably see it end sooner than a lot of his classmates. So we'll see where it goes with that. Midweek visitors, Penn State, as we mentioned, had uh, Ryan Watson, Oklahoma commit. is a good-looking kid. I saw him it was up in Lash the other day, and he walked by, and this is the kid that does not like a, look like a cornerback. He's 6'2 6'3", length for days. I mean, just a, a really good-looking kid. Virginia safety Elijah Gaines was on campus on Thursday. Florida tight end Sage Ennis was on campus on Thursday as well with some teammates uh, up from the Tallahassee area. Penn State offered him. His mother actually went to Penn State. So they, they, they slipped in a couple of guys this week. And, you know, in, in I guess, advance of this this camp weekend, this visit weekend that's coming up. So uh, good to get those guys on campus. We'll, we'll hear more from those guys as they come along, uh, you know, as the, as the time passes. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Also midweek, we got a chance to speak with James Franklin. We got a chance to speak with a lot of coaches. We're going to deep uh, do a deep dive on that next week. Uh, I don't think that we have enough time to get through that, and I think most people are listening for the recruiting aspect of this one anyway. Um, but, yeah, James Franklin sort of led with the quarterbacks. This is his first time really talking since Tommy Stevens or talking to a group since Tommy Stevens uh, left for Mississippi State or just left the program in general. So, a lot of good things on Sean Clifford, a lot of good things on Will Levis. The important thing to take away is that they still consider that an open competition, which really should not be a surprise yeah, to anybody. Zero surprise that Franklin didn't go out there and say, you know, Sean Clifford is our first team quarterback, case closed, we're moving on, he's our guy. Now, Will Levis is in this, and he even went so far to say that one of those, the two freshmen could make this a three-man competition, and uh, you know, I'm not buying it, but but James Franklin is going to encourage competition in every corner of this program. We've heard him say that before, and um, I don't know when the verdict will come down, but I think you know Sean Clifford is carrying himself as, as the starting quarterback. We've heard about how he responded. What's interesting, and I don't mean to brush in and, and get in there, but, but what's interesting on the timeline thing is he kind of admitted, hey, we would probably if Tom you know if somebody was the outright starter where if if Tommy say Tommy practiced this year they would name a starter earlier he said it's going to go on into camp which you know is kind of the first time he's given some sort of timeline with that so I think that's interesting to go in there they, they like what they've seen from Will Levis I stopped by the uh, kicking camp a couple of weeks ago Will Levis was working out in, in Haluba that kid can throw the freaking ball, man. I mean, it's just, it looks different coming out of his hands. Not saying that Sean Clifford can't throw it, but Sean Clifford can't throw it like Will Levis because Will Levis' arm is something that I haven't seen. I mean, I think I mentioned on the board Anthony Morelli. I mean, this is a kid that just got a rocket on that right arm. So it's fun to see him go out there and throw it around. 
I don't, I mean, I still think this is Clifford's team. I still think Clifford's got, uh, you know, as James Franklin said, worked his way into to, to being in position to be that guy. We'll see where the, how long this thing plays out. But uh, I think you've got two pretty good ones. You'd like to have three pretty good ones, obviously. But, you know, Tommy Stevens didn't leave them completely hanging out. No, no. And, and I mean, if the drop-off was from Clifford to to Roberson and, and Johnson as Drew Freshman, then you'd, then you'd be very scared, I think, about the situation. Levis, with his year as a scout team quarterback and, and where he is physically, you know, he is probably the most physically imposing guy in that backfield regardless of position right now. Um, and by the way, that rocket right arm you talked about, it's attached to an athlete, a big-time athlete. I actually heard a few of the freshmen uh, back in May when we were together with, with all those uh, you know, uh, 2018 signees. I was hearing Levis mentioned in the same breath by a couple guys as Jason Away when I was asking who are the who has really emerged as athletes who are just different than everybody else. Will Levis was mentioned multiple times by, by guys, and, and so a lot to like about him. But as you said, Clifford, you know, it would be a, a, a major upset if Clifford isn't leading this offense onto the field for its first series against Idaho. But they're going to need Will Levis to play a role as a number two guy. We've seen Penn State, uh, you know, rely on that role a bit over the last couple of years, and and you know, you have to have two quarterbacks that you feel confident in being able to get the job done. You know, one thing that, that really stood out, also staying with the backfield, Sean, and, and we'll get into this in greater detail, but kind of going through the rundown that we did on twenty four seven Sports. Um, you look at at the backfield, and and there's been a lot of talk about Ricky Slade. Uh, you you know, being the guy who's the the heir apparent now, and and Journey Brown, you know, maybe making that transition from a you know, straight line track star to someone who can be a complete running back, and of course you got Devin Ford now on board. But J1 Sider went a lot further during our conversation on Noah Kane than he did. You were there for it in middle of spring when when he was kind of updating us on Kane. He really likes the way Kane finished spring practice. He said at first there was maybe some hesitancy between him, uh, Ricky Slade, Journey Brown to all embrace each other, help each other. He said that was gone by week two. By week three, Noah Kane didn't really need the help anymore. And he said, you know, you saw week five what he did on, on, on the blue-white game. So I think Noah Kane is a serious factor, you know, coming into summer camp. We'll see what he can do. Uh, he's a guy that I think further entrenched for me uh, is going to be an impact player's first year on campus, coming away from that conversation with Sider, who, as I said, Said he was a lot more tight-lipped about Kane a few weeks into spring camp, elaborated a lot more now that he has a lot more to digest and, and, and kind of more tangible proof to point to. Speaking of, of some interesting things, what do you think about Micah Parsons back deep with K.J. Hamler returning kicks? That's uh, as intriguing as a storyline as I can think of on the special teams. Of course, special teams, nowhere to go but up. But, you know, you, you put a guy like that, like Parsons back there because we've seen what he can do with the ball in his hand at Harrisburg. He was fantastic. You know, he kind of did a little bit of everything. So, you know, there's going to be some Gerald Hodges references and things like that. But I mean, and I understand that. But I think I think it's going to be cool to see. And I, I thought it was cool to see Hodges back there, to be honest with you, until he couldn't catch the ball, which seemed to be sort of a detriment to him. And you don't remember any of this stuff. But. To, to put him back there in front of Hamler. It's a South Jersey guy. That's a South Jersey guy. Yeah, though. yeah, that, 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 was, <laughs> that was something. Uh, but no, I mean, it's uh, it's going to be intriguing to see that. Um, he talked about Kane. He also talked a little bit about Devin Ford, how he can step right in and, and do some things. They've got an opportunity to do so. Um, you know, Jason Alway was a, a point of, uh, of I guess, uh, emphasis for Sean Spencer to talk about him. And, and C.J. Thorpe. You, you wrote about C.J. Thorpe the other day. He's going to come in, compete with Mike Miranda for that right guard job. Uh, you know, I think we, we we think we both think that C.J. Thorpe may have the upper hand heading into uh, into the fall. But um, there's a lot of good storylines going on. You wrote about a bunch of them. So yeah, I, I mean, I made my picks for breakout player with 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 Thorpe and Oway. So obviously, those are two guys I was I was very oh, that's right. interested You're all in. in on him. That's right. I forgot about <laughs> uh, that. 
And I had the first pick. I, I don't think anyone is surprised that Owe is, is considered a breakout candidate. And now I'm even, even kind of more locked in on that, Sean, because Penn State coaches have had every opportunity, especially Sean Spencer, to, to help us pump the brakes a little bit on Owe being a breakout guy. Sean Spencer did nothing to pump the brakes. In fact, he said they expect him to play a huge role. Um, he's going to have to earn it, obviously, but but you know, we'll, we'll play some of the audio from this on Monday. Don't want to get too far down the road here, but just know coming away from, from, from interactions with Spencer on the field, and Mark has a video up, uh, no one is pumping the brakes on Jason Oway at this point, one year into to his college progression. And by the way, Lorig explained it with uh, this way with Parsons. He said, you got two choices. You kick the ball to K.J. Hamler, one of the most dynamic, speedy guys in college football, and you try to get through Micah Parsons to get to him, or you kick the ball to Micah Parsons and deal with, with a player who is a freak athlete, and, and with the ball in his hands, he has done some special things. Arguably the best running back in Pennsylvania last year, and, and he wasn't even. I, I viewed him more as an athlete who just got the rock and, and ran with it more than any kind of nuanced running back, and he still produced the way he did. So very intriguing, and that probably is kind of the the one uh, the one new wrinkle that that maybe a lot of us didn't see coming. But really, really impressed overall by the conversation with Lorig and with Jared Parker. Those are the two new guys. Second time we've had a chance to really catch up with them, Sean. We had their initial press conferences over the course of the winter after they were hired, but. A lot different now because they've had spring camp. They've had several months. They've got some of these freshmen. Uh, they got some transfers. So there was a ton from both of those coaches. And, and look for content on all those conversations uh, on the site online 24-7. But, of course, uh, we will get into this uh, uh, deeper on Monday, as Sean said. Penn State gave us the true freshmen to talk to last uh, last month. They gave us the assistant coaches to talk to this this month. It's been really good for access. Uh, you know, I think Penn State's kind of opened things up. Not that they were closed or anything from an access standpoint, but Penn State's really worked with us and opened things up, and I think everyone's benefited from that, especially you guys, the the readers and the listeners. Moving back to recruiting, another big camp weekend. We're recording on Friday uh, due to circumstances that are, are my fault, frankly. Um, but uh, Caleb Williams is on campus, and this is a huge visit. I mean, I don't think there's any way to split. Uh, this is probably, in, in my opinion, the top 2021 quarterback in the country. Should be Penn State's top 2021 quarterback target or possibly top overall target in the 2021 class. I think he's that good. Fantastic player. He's going to come up on Friday or be, be here on Friday with his father. He's going to camp on Saturday with Gonzaga, who has been a, you know, who was up last year for the camp. But just a very, very important. If you're trying to right the ship, you're, you're not going to com- get a commitment out of Caleb Williams. I don't think he's anywhere close to deciding or anything like that. But just saw Georgia, just saw Oklahoma. Those are two very prominent schools in his recruitment. Of course, Alabama, Clemson, everybody, every big school is in on him. So we'll see where that uh, where that leads. But just to get him on campus, to get him up here, get him comfortable once again is a big step forward. And of course, Gonzaga, you're going to see them on Saturday if you follow along with our camp coverage. You got Gonzaga, you got DeMatha, St. Peter's Prep. I, You heard that right. St. Peter's Prep is coming to Penn State camp. Southern Columbia is going to be here. There's a guy on that team that Penn State still wants, even though he's committed to a, to a Big Ten school. So... A lot of uh, interesting storylines coming through. Cody Simon in town. Wyatt Milam, of, uh, I think he's a uh, number 40 overall in the country in the 2021 class. He's going to be on campus working out. Could see Z- uh, Yairo F- Favorus uh, this weekend. He's a uh, the European cornerback that we spoke about last week when Penn State offered. Penn State wants to see him at camp before moving forward. We'll see where things go with that. We thought he was going to camp last Sunday. He went to Notre Dame and said they sort of split off with that PPI group. Uh, if, he, if he's on campus, I think that's really interesting 
because he's a really good athlete. We'll see where he's at. But especially with Josh Moten out of the fold, you still, you know, of course, you're still going after Henry Gray, Joseph Johnson, Ryan Watts, who was on campus this week. But uh, Favors is is a bit of a wild card in that he is that athlete. He's got that size. We'll see what they decide to do at cornerback because all of a sudden you've got a spot open. That's pretty interesting to me. And he's a bit of a wild card because he lives on the other side of the Atlantic Ocean. So when you get these guys on campus, it's like this this may very well be it. I mean, you can't really count on, on them circling back and, and getting back and checking out the facilities again. Uh, and, and I think Caleb Williams is circling back to that. I, I mentioned five golf carts were stationed uh, for Thornton's game uh, in the 7-on-7 seven seven tournament. They may be six for, for Caleb Williams, who was the first target on their 2021 board at the position. Yeah, Extremely you can curious. follow the golf carts because you, what was it? <laughs> yeah. Fleming, uh, Lamont Wade, Micah Parsons, they're all golf cart magnets at that thing. And and it's funny to see. I mean, you, you've got golf carts going everywhere. Every every staff member pretty much has one. The recruiting guys have one where they're going around checking out players and and talking. To, it's it's actually a pretty cool uh, thing to watch where you're, you're seeing, you know, Franklin interacting with young people, giving them rides, you know, t- tossing the ball around with them. So it's a, it's a laid back atmosphere, but it's also a recruiting event where they're trying to, to, to put their best foot forward. So it's a cool thing to watch. We'll, of course, be following those guys. DeMatha will be up because I Izzard told me he's not coming actually this weekend. He plans to be on campus for an official next weekend. But, of course, DeMatha's always got a ton of talent. Golden Achumba's on that team. Gonzaga, Olofashanu's on that team. Nick Dawkins told me he's coming down this weekend. So a couple of Penn State commits on campus this weekend. St. Peter's Prep's got a bunch of guys. Um, Spring Valley, as we mentioned, Wyatt Milam. So uh, it's more of a loaded camp this week in the t- from a team aspect than we saw last week. Yeah, and, and another name to throw in that mix who's on campus Friday, Sean, four-star South Carolina receiver, uh, Jonathan Burrell, uh, I'm sorry, Joshua Burrell, uh, his twin brother, Jordan Burrell, also joined him on campus uh, along with uh, parents. So so these are two brothers. One has an offer from Penn State. The other does not. Uh, Jordan does have a few power five options at defensive back, but this is visit number one. Uh, they've been pretty active, uh, making the rounds a little bit. They were at South Carolina for a seven-on-seven tournament this week. They were at Georgia for a seven-on-seven event as well. Um, this is one of the last stops. They'll, they'll head back to Maryland, and then they'll head home uh, to South Carolina. So their first chance to make an impression on him, uh, another one of those 2021 receivers to know um, out of South Carolina, Blythewood High School. It's, a, it's a, one of those uh, guys that Josh, or excuse me, that uh, Jared Parker would have had a, a, a relationship down there when he was at Duke. And there's been a bunch of those guys that have popped up in the, in the last uh, Bingo. couple of months yep. since he's been hired. Joshua Burrell, by the way, number 130 overall in the 2021 24-7 sports rankings, number 22 receiver, top prospect in South Carolina in that cycle. So that's uh, definitely a guy to, to, to be watching on campus to, to try and get back on campus as as these months move forward. So uh, official visitors this weekend, we got five of them. We've got four of them out in the, the public realm, and we'll add one more to that at the, at the end of the show. A.J. Hanning, wide receiver from, from Illinois. Uh, Josh Fryer from Indiana, Jordan Morant from New Jersey, Kaziah Holmes, I think it's a really interesting one from Florida, and Makari Page just confirmed late this week that he's going to be in, uh, on an official visit. That, to me, is a huge one. He was just on campus in May. He's got an official visit scheduled to Ohio State next weekend. I, I think we talked about this, that we believe the Buckeyes are the team to beat. Uh, but to get him back on campus before the break, when you know he could, he could he'd be one of those guys that makes a decision during the dead period, I think that's huge. Going back up the list, uh, Josh Fryer, all of a sudden, you know, we talked about him as a luxury a couple of weeks ago, but you lose Tutant, you lose Aaron Parks, all of a sudden, you know, he's top of the list priority type guy. So getting him on the campus, checking things out, he was he was very pleased with his last unofficial visit this spring. 
So we'll see where guys would go with that. If, I think if we're looking at realistic chances, uh, Josh Fryer is probably at, at the top of my list right there. It's amazing, you know, how much 10 days can change everything. You, you were saying, oh, maybe a seventh offensive lineman, and now uh, that that's kind of been blown up, the complexity there. I, I will say, Jordan Morant, this feels like a, a golden opportunity for Penn State to to thrust itself right back up there uh, on the top of his list because he was a guy who frequented Happy Valley very early in the process. He was at Lash Bash last year, and I think that was his third visit to Happy Valley before his uh, junior season of high school. So, a lot of early visits, but not so much of late. He's explored some other schools. He's got that top five now set, and he plans on announcing in January. So to me, this is a, a nice opportunity for Penn State to take a step forward with Morant, who was the number one safety in 24-7 sports composite rankings. Um, but yeah, I think that there's a lot of attention also on Page because uh, he has been very proactive, and it, and it feels like he is uh, maybe nearing the, the final stages of information gathering. And he's kind of a, an opposite with Jordan Morant because, as we found out recently, Jordan Morant's going to announce at the—I uh, think he's playing in the uh, the former Army Bowl on January fourth. Um, so that's that—that's to me is a big deal because this is a, a kid where Penn State had a lot of momentum early. If you ask anybody around that recruitment, uh, maybe last September or something, they thought it was all Penn State, and that kind of went away. He, he visited some other schools. I think Michigan's in a strong point right now. Of course, Ohio State's pushing as well. Some other uh, schools in that top five, but. Penn State has made some work as of late to get back into that top five to secure an official visit, and I think it's huge. If he's gonna if he's gonna recruit, or excuse me, if he's going to announce on January fourth, you've got a lot of a lot more time to recruit him than you maybe originally thought he would, because this dead period, as we've talked about, is sort of uh, just sort of I don't know. It's it's not a hard deadline for some of these guys, but you can see a lot of these guys ready to get this process over with, and you'll see that in June and July, and I think. A lot of schools, as I said many times, a lot of schools are going to benefit from that with some some later this summer, the commitments. Yeah, another, another ramification, I think, of the altered NCAA calendar where there are new kind of checkpoints along the way of the cycle where, you know, some kids will set those deadlines for themselves. And to me, another a new obvious one is after that final weekend in June when you can make the visits. Um, so, you know, June 23rd, I think, is that Sunday. Then that window closes. I think for a lot of people, if they're comfortable and, and maybe, <laughs> let's face it, many of them, if they're not comfortable with where they want to go, quite yet they're going to announce commitments and i think we're going to see a lot of them and then i think that official visit's going to open window is going to open up again in september and we're going to see decommitments and we're going to see teams in situations like penn state uh where, where guys are saying hey i want to be committed and i want to visit four of their schools over the course of the season so you know a lot of adventures to come on the recruiting trail and, and i think again because of the alterations year number two of this new structure for the recruiting calendar uh these are just things that we're learning and picking up along the way yeah, we're learning on the fly. I think the Penn State staff, I think all staffs are learning on the fly with this. Um, but that should about do it for us. If you didn't shut us off after 10 minutes, I appreciate it. I think there was a lot going on in this episode. So thanks for sticking with us. Uh, we'll be back next week to talk a little bit more about on, on the on the field developments that we talked with the assistant coaches. Of course, we'll recap uh, recruiting weekend, talk about next weekend, which actually shapes up to be a really big weekend with the whiteout camp with a bunch of official visitors coming in. So Try, uh, hopefully hopefully we'll get to go uh, twice next weekend but or excuse me twice next week but yes thanks for joining us on the Lions 24/7 podcast for Tyler Donahue I'm Sean Fitz again not a photoshop version of Sean Fitz thanks for joining us on the Lions 24/7 podcast